Hi, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast number two. My name is Peter Schulz. I'm one of the artistic directors of Jazzahead. Today, we'll be looking into the German jazz scene with Stephanie Marcus from Tom Tone Records and with Andreas Brandis from Act Music. What has happened in the past 10, 15 years in jazz in Germany? Is there German jazz or is there only jazz from Germany? What are the influences and circumstances of jazz in and from Germany? Enjoy the episode. So, uh, welcome to the second Jazz Ahead podcast on the year 2021. We want to talk about the development of uh, jazz in Germany over the last decade to raise some interest in the uh, vivid young German jazz scene. I mean, for a long time, there were only very few protagonists that were known internationally on the jazz scene from Germany. People like Albert Mangelsdorf or Peter Brotzmann. They raised their own voices in the 60s and the 70s of the last century. In the meantime, a lot has happened, but what of it arrived on the European scene and on the international scene? That's what we want to talk about today. Let me introduce you to the panel. We have two people who are at the same time executives and observers of the German scene. Both represent a label as well as a publishing and management company on the independent side of the music business. And they have been part of Jazz Ahead for a long time already. Welcome to the panel, Steffi Marcus. Uh, she's been running the Berlin-based Trontone label, studio and publishing company for 30 years with more than 350 releases, very strong focus on the German scene. But with an enormous variety of genres, uh, she's very dedicated to taste and diversity. She says, melody, intensity, humor, and a clear presence are always important to me in all productions. Welcome, Steffi. Andreas Brandis, although born in Heidelberg, uh, he meanwhile resides in Berlin as well. Since 2015, he's the managing director of ACT, Music and Vision, one of the few labels from Germany that are internationally active and successful. At the same time, he's the founder and managing director of the Tambour Music, which is an artist agency and management company. Catchphrase of the company is, it's all about authenticity. Welcome, Andreas. Steffi, is there any jazz that you would call German jazz or is there only jazz from Germany? What do you think? Well... You are starting with a very difficult question. <laughs> I mean, I think for the older generation, for the historic dimension, there's something that you could call German jazz, like Peter Brotzmann. He's definitely uh, stamped as German jazz. But for the youngsters now, for the uh, today's scene, I'd rather say that's jazz from Germany. You think there is a special narrative in German jazz? What do you think? To be honest, I think that we kind of invented this German jazz, this young German jazz marketing expression, and uh, now we try to fill it with some... It's nothing behind. <laughs> no, 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 no. That I don't want to say that, but I don't think that the difference between young jazz from England or young jazz from Denmark or Germany is as big as the young German jazz stamp makes us think. So, uh, Andreas, uh, when you market a German band for the international market, what is the tool that you use, apart from the music, of course? 
Is there any special? I wouldn't say there's a special tour to to brand German jazz. I mean, there's always a story about the band and there's always a story about uh, a certain record. And part of the story could be that the band comes from Germany and how they met and how they started to make music together. But I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a narrative to say there's something specific German about what they're doing. It could have to do with, let's say, an overall German music tradition that every musician in the jazz field is usually socialized with, or a strong classical music background, for example. And I think that no one who studied music, jazz in particular, music in general in Germany, won't get in touch with our classical music history. And so it will always be part, to a certain extent, of what's the musical language of musicians, young musicians born in Germany and educated in Germany. But if you say so, this is special already, because in other countries, normally there is a strong folk tradition, which we do not have for the last 200 years, I think. And they very often derive their jazz and pop music scenes from the the folk scene, which is not true for Germany. Which has perhaps also to do, to a certain extent, with the way uh, how education is organized in Germany. So, I mean, we have a broad variety of possibilities to study jazz music professionally in Germany. And all of those schools are attached to classical schools, more or less. So the schools have a very long classical tradition. And later on, there was a jazz department open within this framework. And so I think the whole way of education is way more intellectual in a way, without any negative connotation. But it's a way more intellectual approach, respecting the tradition of jazz and also respecting our musical tradition in Germany, which leads perhaps to a totally different approach in comparison to musicians who are raised with way stronger folk tradition or um, pop rock tradition during their socialization with music. Yeah, I totally agree. But that's a difference already to other countries, I think. And there is a strong educational point focus in, in, in Germany. We have 18 music academies in Germany where you can study jazz, which is a lot, I mean, I must say, compared to other countries. 77% of professional jazz musicians in Germany are studying or have studied jazz professionally, which is new for the last, let's say, 20 years. Because before that, I remember that, there was nothing like that, like the education in the music academy. That's true. But I would like to admit that at least the wish to study in a professional environment was also there already in the early years in the US. So, for example, Miles Davis was keen on studying at the Juilliard School just because of the reputation and of getting in touch with all this musical history which is there and which could influence the the language, the musical language, while improvising, etc. So, um, the the wish for institutions to, to foster the musical knowledge of musicians was there for quite some time, I would say. Yeah, in, of course, in, in America too, but uh, something like Berkeley School of uh, Jazz, uh, something like that was not around in Germany for many years um, before. 
Um, That's a difference, I think. If you think of somebody like Michel Volney or so, uh, him without having studied, it's hardly imaginable, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And of course, also, I mean, he's a good example of a younger generation, uh, let's say, with a, with a very open mind and during his education, crossing borders of classical music and improvised music, etc. And this is perhaps something uh, what also um, Steffi already mentioned. The younger generation now is entering into different genres of music in an easier way than generations before. Why? Because music in general is way more accessible, so you can listen to a variety of music in different genres when you're young. And that was different in the past, of course. You were pretty much depending on the music your parents had at home, and then you started at a certain point to develop your own taste and to listen to other stuff. But now you can listen to well, the whole recorded repertoire of all genres all the time, and you get in touch with classical and jazz and pop and electronic music way easier than in the early days. And Michael is a very good example of this interest in different fields of music and then creating an own language out of that. And uh, I don't know if this is typical German. What I would call typical German is that there's a very strong influence from the classical side. That's perhaps unique to a certain extent in Europe because we have this strong tradition. And about everything else, it's probably the same for all young generations across the world, how they get in touch today with music way easier than years ago. Steffi, you have on your, your label a variety of, of genres, as I mentioned already. There is a lot of crossover between singer-songwriters, dance musicians, jazz musicians, electro stuff on Trompton. I mean, it's an amazing variety that you bring there. Uh, so what is the logic of it? Yes, as I mentioned, I think it's a consequence of my personal history and my taste. And the taste comes from the history. So I grew up with only classical music as a kid. And then I grew up in Wuppertal. So the most typical thing that I could do as a teenager was to go to the von der Heik Museum's free jazz sessions. Mm. So I met all these guys that are history today when I was 14. And I, I, I found it very interesting, very exciting, and it became part of my life. And so it spread from the beginning, it spread very wide. And um, then I studied guitar that made it a little bit tiny and a classical guitar, intimate and tiny. And then I was very fond of kind of cabaret music, also because it was dealing with words. And so all this became part of my judgment that made things interesting for me that had some of it. When uh, you think of, for example, musicians that you have on your label, like uh, Tilmo Pires, those are musicians that don't come from Germany but they uh, found their own identity somehow abroad, in Berlin, for example. It's a bit different because he's Portuguese, but he came to Germany as a very small kid. So he grew up in the Ruhrgebiet, so in the middle of Germany, and he grew up as a German, and he, he was very fond of chanson stuff. And then it took quite a while for him to discover his own identity and his own musical identity. And after like 15 years of dealing with that search for identity, he went back to Lisbon. And then finally, he came back to his own roots and started 
finally developing his own style. But didn't he start Fado singing when he still was in Berlin, I remember? Yeah, he did, but that was hmm. kind of a, a search, and it was mixed with more jazzy elements. So he had no guitars in it, but piano, and because... He could not feel what he feels now, what makes it really identical for him. What I want to say with that is um, that uh, there is, uh, of course, influences from various countries within Germany. So that's why it doesn't make sense, I think, uh, to speak about German jazz, but only from jazz from Germany, because there are so much influences. The classical part is indeed one side. But the folk side of other nations that come to Germany contributes uh, to that as well. I agree. And I would also admit that we had after or beside this very important classical influence also very strong electronic music history in Germany, especially in Berlin. And also this has a lot of influence on jazz today and on the language that especially the, the younger generation who was socialized with electronic music is using all that in their own music and use this for their vocabulary. This whole club culture Berlin is famous for or a band on our uh, label like Jazz Our Big Band right from Munich using techno elements to find a new big band language, for example. I think that's a very common thing in the in the young generation of musicians. And Germany had very strong underground scenes in different genres, and this is also important. And of course, also the exchange with the international artists coming here and also studying here. I mean, Berlin, Cologne, Leipzig, Munich, all important music schools, and they have a lot of international uh, musicians for jazz, but also other genres. And this is very fruitful, I think, for musical language, all this exchange and collaboration. That's true. I completely agree. And I remember uh, Tangerine Dream in their early days experimenting in Berlin at uh, Volksburger Straße in the studio of Thomas Kessler. That was 68, 69. So th that is indeed a very long history with the electronic stuff uh, from Colin Stockhausen as well in Cologne in the early days. So um, I think uh, that we have... Strong notion in both fields, and uh, in the classical field and in the electronic field, uh, less strong influence from the, the folk side. Let's come to the live uh, situation in Germany. We have a lot of venues in, in Germany. We have, I think the Jazz Institute lists around 800 clubs in Germany. Well, some of them <laughs> maybe have two concerts a year. Some of them have a concert daily But a lot of musicians, international musicians touring in Germany in the old days were American and there were only a few German musicians uh, touring then. That is different now. What's your observation in, in the club scene in Germany as to gigs for German musicians? Yeah, my observation is that, first of all, I would like to extend the period we are talking about from a decade to, let's say, 15 years, because I think... A lot happened right there uh, 15 years ago. There was the, the strong feeling, to my understanding, that jazz from Germany is perhaps not seen enough in the world, that Germany is a strong touring country, which it is still today. 
and um, a lot of bands from all kinds of countries are touring here. It's a very international scene touring-wise, but on the other hand, there are just a few German, as you said, German artists touring the world. And 15 years ago, there was the time when a lot of people started with the same feeling, different initiatives, right? Uh, there was um, the Next Generation label started from Jesting, a very important uh, German magazine. There was our own series right after Young German Jazz to give young German talents a platform. And of course, Jazz Ahead started with this aim to, to establish an international platform in Germany to give an international focus to Germany, also business-wise, not only as a touring country, but as an important uh, music country, which stands for jazz and the jazz tradition and an own jazz language to a certain extent. And since then, I think a lot happened. So Jazz Ahead is today the most important music fair for jazz and jazz-related music. And everyone from the business is coming every year now to Bremen, which is a great achievement. And uh, Jazz Ahead gives a strong platform, especially to young German talent. My observation is also that since then, the live situation in Germany changed strongly in the program of, of jazz festivals, which was very much US orientated still then. This is different today. There's way more space for young talent and established German artists. And the same is true for the club scene. So the live market is vivid and gives way more German bands a stage than years before. And on the international level, we have still great potential to work on. That's my personal impression. So there's still just a few German bands touring regularly in other European countries or in the US. And yeah, we have to work on that. And uh, there's great talent to discover. And it's worth and a chance to work on initiatives to bring more German-based bands and musicians to other European countries and to the US. Which bands would you say are ready to tour internationally from your roster or from uh, other labels' rosters? that are really prepared to tour internationally? It's always hard to pick just a few names out of a, a variety of great musicians in, in Germany. I mean, we have some German artists on the roster uh, who are touring internationally, like Michael Volney or Wolfgang Hafner, and it could be always more. So if you look at the great festival scene in France, for example, and everyone knows that it's hard for other international artists from Europe to tour in France because France is very French and US orientated so far. And it could be always more. I mean, there are young bands which started to tour internationally, even a, a big band like Jazz Rausch toured in the US and in Asia. And I would love to bring them to other places more regularly. And a great artist we are working with, Lucia Karoc, is touring in internationally to a certain extent. That could be also more with all the different bands she has. And there are great musicians here in the Berlin scene like Christian Lillinger and uh, non-German musicians like Peter Eld, Ote Sanzio. And it's, I mean, it's a long list of musicians. Our new emerging artist, Johanna Summer, great 
piano player. I think I could write the list on and on. And uh, there's so much, as I said before, there's so much to discover in the German markets. And there's so much going on in the different scenes in Munich, Berlin, Cologne, etc. that it's worth to look even closer to uh, the German market and to invite those talents and established artists to festivals abroad. For example, Johanna Sammer, she will be part of the showcases next year at Jazz uh, Ahead. Which is great. Uh, which is great, yes. Uh, she was announced for this year, but uh, due to Corona, this year didn't happen. But next year, she will be on. And I have a band, uh, which is not really German, but Austrian uh, in mind, that uh, is on your label, Shake Stew, for example. That's a fantastic band, and they are ready to tour internationally. They do. They? I mean, they do. Yeah. They do. To make chart, I think most of us would only sign bands that are ready to tour internationally. If you say, okay, there's a very young emerging talent, it may take a couple of years to get ready for it, but that's what we are working for. There are quite a lot, and you can just watch the labels programs and you see them all. Yeah. yeah. What should happen to get more German talent out in the world? It's definitely an export office. I mean, it's not different, it's worse. I mean, it's really bad. And the French and, and the northern states, they all have export offices for 10, 20 years and they send their artists throughout the world so, and we don't. So it just needs yeah. uh, support and funding. That's classical as well, in and a way, because that comes just to my mind. I mean, <laughs> we have the classical education uh, situation. We have a lot of classical uh, music academies where you can study jazz, but you can't export jazz. Is that true? No, you can. You yes. just have to well, put some money yeah, and true. effort into it. Yeah, yeah, but not supported that much by an export office. Like, It's a very complex discussion. I mean, that could go even further because it's not only that you can't export the music, it's that we have, you said it, I mean, we have 18 schools educating jazz musicians, right? And after the studies, they go into the market and don't know anything about how to market themselves, etc. I mean, I'm not in general blaming the education, but the question is, where do we spend the money most efficiently? And we spend a lot into the education. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's 18 schools. That means there's every year tons of piano players, sax players, drummers, bass players leaving those schools, hoping and aiming for a professional career in a free scene, right? So, and then you look at the, the fees, you look at the possibilities, you look at the competition. It's very hard to get out of the school and then to finance a living or to make a living out of it. And all this education costs a lot of money. And then we don't have the infrastructure to do anything with the young professionals, right? We, we don't have an export office. We can't send them anywhere. We don't have young professional programs to give them a start into the market, etc. So I think we're missing a lot on that side. And of course, other than the Scandinavian territories like uh, Norway, Sweden, etc., we have a very big touring markets within our own country, there's not the same pressure or need to leave the country. So I think it's a mix of both. We don't have an export office taking care of showcasing our artists everywhere in the world. And then it's to a certain extent easy to stay in the country and to tour here 
all year. It's perhaps a combination of both facts. And um, if it means that we have less schools, then it's it's perhaps appropriate to have this debate about uh, how much schools do we need and uh, what's the best uh, for the infrastructure. And I mean, look at Sweden and Norway, for example. They started very efficient professional tools years ago, not only in jazz, but in their whole pop music scene, etc. And uh, the results are impressing. I mean, bands from the Scandic territories became international superstars. What do you think is uh, the influence of migration in uh, jazz in Germany? Uh, from its very beginning, I mean, jazz was a multicultural thing due to migration into the U.S. and within the U.S. states in the second part of the 19th century. There are and were uh, fundamental streams of migration within Europe and into Europe in the second half of the 20th century. And that is until the Iron Curtain fell in the 80s. And even more so, there's more openness and more migration in the last 20 years, if you think of the actual situation. This fundamentally changed the uh, cultural permeation in Europe and in Germany as well. How is that reflected in, in jazz in Germany? Thinking of bands like, like Massa or Seminology or Thermo Piresh, we we said already. What do you think uh, is coming from the outside into Germany? I mean, you mentioned a few. There are quite a lot of more names to mention in this regard. But I think it's kind of difficult to work with this term migration. We are thinking of something else when we think about migration today. And there's still very the people from other countries that are in, musicians from other countries that are included in and musical projects, or that founded their own bands in Germany with German musicians. Or, so that are kind of privileged people that I find it very difficult to use that term, migration. migration. And, yeah. Well, in the overall history, this is where uh, cultures melted. Uh, yes, melted of course, together. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. But right now, for the time being, this term is meaning so many difficult things and so many problems that aren't solved yet that I I find it very difficult to uh, work with that term in this context, right? What I think is interesting, I mentioned that it's way easier today to think cross-genre or, or to, to use influences from different genres than it was perhaps years ago because the access is way easier and you're... Uh, educated and socialized with a lot of different styles. And the same is, of course, true in the young generation for moving somewhere, right? And I don't think that they would say necessarily that they migrate somewhere. It's just being at a place where something is happening for a certain period of time, and then they move on somewhere else. So, for example, Berlin is right now full of people from everywhere and they bring their uh, own culture with them and their own tradition etc and they come here to study or to meet out of musical reasons other young musicians and to start projects and um, i think this influence is very strong that different worlds meet each other and a new language grows out of that and it's fascinating to see those projects and to see this international scene 
and they don't care at all where they are right now. If it's Germany or if it's Poland or if the UK, London, or it's more important that it's a place which is inspiring and they can meet a lot of other people with the same interests and uh, with interesting musical approaches. And I find that very um, fascinating. Also, how schools can create something like like Copenhagen, for example, was for quite some time a very important jazz school in Europe because a lot of people met there, right? Like Peter Elt, Odesancio, Lucia Karoc, uh, Marius Nesset, Anton Eger, they all studied there and um, music teachers. Yes. Yeah. And, and so a school or a city can be very influential and then it's a hot spot for a certain period of time and people go there and gather and create something and then they move on and years later it's Berlin and everyone is going there and um, so especially the younger generation is very open-minded to the term home you know home is in their world more or less truly where they are right now and that can change all the time And they choose that deliberately. Uh, and uh, Berlin, for a long time, was a was a focus because uh, it was so cheap to uh, rent a flat there, which is not any longer. But uh, uh, that was a very important part. Uh, I met Tom Arthur's once in the A train, and uh, I knew him from London. And I said, well, what are you doing here? He said, well, I just moved here to Berlin because it's so cheap to live here. It's cheaper for me to fly back to some gigs in London than to live in London. So I think yeah. that is how many, many musicians came to Berlin. And same is true for, I think, people that, that moved to Paris, like Daniel Erdmann, for example. I would completely agree with Andreas. Uh, people choose their their home their temporary home outside the, the own country. And that is very good for Europe, I think. And that is the good side of the European Union, I think. So I think we are getting to an end already. Nobody knows and can tell what uh, the live scene will be like uh, after what we did not talk about today uh, after Corona. But some things are for sure. The necessity to improvise will be even stronger than before due to the living conditions. And whatever happens in the digital world, in the end, nothing can replace meeting face-to-face. -face. And that is also true for live music. In this sense, I close this virtual meeting with hope. Thank you, Andreas, and thank you, Steffi. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. What we've learned, now's the time to book German bands. And don't forget to take a time and watch all the past German Jazz Expo concerts on our YouTube channel.